Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Ah, delicious. Today is, say it with me, people, Friday. Woohoo! It's Friday the 13th, October. And a beautiful morning here in Santa Fe. If you're on video, you'll see that Killian is roaming around behind me. It was very funny on Monday. I didn't know this until my mom asked me what Killian found, dug up at the end and brought down. Uh, and I didn't realize he had done that. But if you watch the end of Monday's podcast, uh, you will see that he found what was probably a mouse. It was gone later. Looks like you didn't find anything today. So it's pretty funny to watch, uh, see him bringing that down the path for me. And I was clearly just way too absorbed in talking about WandaVision to uh, notice. So I had a lot of fun last night. I went to see the Taylor Swift concert movie. Uh, I think many of you know that I'm a total Swifty, that I've been a Swifty since the album 1989 came out. Uh, but I did not go to the Eras tour. I, um, yeah, I just couldn't go do the whole stadium thing. But it was really fun to go see the movie. Now what's going on? Much adventuring this morning. Now Killian just found another mouse that time of year. So anyway, it was just really funny to watch him. Jeez. Watch him uh, find that and root around for it. So anyway, focusing now, I promise. Taylor Swift concert movie. And look, they, I like got this great handout. If you could see on video, it's just like the little mini poster of her and her biju. Oh, no, it's actually her lover outfit. Taylor Swift, the heiress tour. Uh, it was great. It's an almost three-hour movie. Apparently, the concert is like three and a half hours long. Um and she just goes, goes, goes the whole time. The woman's amazing. I don't know how she does it. Uh, it was um, really well put together. My friend Megan went with me, who is not a Swifty, but you know she's kind of like an honorary Swifty. She said she was uh, feeling like Margaret Mead going on the uh, anthropological excursion, which is fair. I asked her if that made me uh, a monkey, but I think she said Taylor is the monkey performing monkey amazing performing monkey uh the everything that she does with the dancers and interpreting the songs it was just great uh she I, I'm, I'm devolving into swiftiness for a minute here because i know that you all know that i think she's a brilliant creator uh, so she did songs from all of her albums which is why it was partly the eras tour only one song from her very first album uh, which is our song, which I've used to teach sometimes in talking about voice. Uh, what's interesting about our song, and because her first album was very country western, uh, I had heard it, but I don't typically like country western music. I don't listen to those channels. I tend to turn the dial. But 
I so but I'd heard this song, you know, like you do through osmosis. And it's funny because Megan commented that she is not a Swifty, doesn't really deliberately listen to Taylor Swift's music, and yet she knew so many of the words to the songs just through cultural osmosis. But anyway, after the album 1989 came out, and I really loved that album, and I became a much more devoted uh, Taylor Swift listener, I stumbled upon, at some point, our song, and which I had always kind of liked with not out really knowing why, but it was it's Taylor Swift. And I think it's a really good illustration of liking someone's voice um, as creators, as writers in particular, we talk about voice a lot. And the thing about voice is we feel like it's something we really need to work on. And yes, it's something to be polished and refined, but it's also an inherent part of us. And it's what our, our listeners, our readers are attracted to in us. Not being happy with my angles this morning. There we go. Um, and that's how it worked for me. I love the way Taylor Swift puts a song together. I love her lyrics. Uh, I love the emotion of her songs. I love the storytelling. And all of those things are there in, in our song. And so it was interesting listening to her. It was interesting listening to her go through the eras of her you know, 17 year career so far, starting from when she was 16. Uh, just the one song from the first album. She did not go in chronological order. She started off with Lover, for those of you who care, and she bounced around, which I think was a great creative choice because the different albums have very distinct moods. And I think if she had gone chronological, and we talk about this in storytelling, right? Break the gridlock, gridlock of chronology. Uh, sometimes in order to tell a story most effectively, in order to keep an audience engaged and have the right kind of pacing, uh, to have your climaxes, the really hard hitting moments where you want them, you need to tell them, you need to do it out of order. Um, and we, I think we instinctively do things in order. Certainly I almost always tell stories in order, but there's good reasons not to, uh, love, the Beatles show, the Cirque du, Le Cirque du Soleil show, uh, also does the songs out of chronological order, but they are in emotional order. So anyway, I was um, cynical about the concert movie and I ended up loving it. Uh, it was kind of funny because it was, it's opening, it was supposed to be officially opening today um, 13 is Taylor's favorite number, right? So how could she resist? Uh, and I'd asked Megan if she wanted to go, but her husband was coming back into town and she was like, Oh, can't we go Thursday? And I said, no, it doesn't open till Friday. So she and I were having drinks on Wednesday and I happened to see on Instagram, uh, cause we both like, actually we were about to leave. And so we were both checking our phones and stuff. And I saw Taylor post to Instagram that they were doing a special early opening of Thursday night of the show. And I'm like, well, do you think I'm like, oh, our little dinky violet crown's not going to know. And Megan said, well, let's check. 
So we checked and they had just released tickets. So we bought like the first two tickets uh, for the show on Thursday night. Um, and we didn't need to. There were probably, I don't know, eight people there. I really thought there might be like hordes of, of young women there, which I was perfectly fine with to be with my sister Swifties. But no. Um, so apparently... I'm, I feel so edgy that I like follow Taylor Swift so closely on social media that I knew. So on the topic of my own creativity, <laughs> um, I've actually had a much better week. I'm finally getting the flow on this story again. Uh, all of my efforts to increase focus and concentration have been paying off. Yesterday, I got 3,000 words. It's the first time I've gotten 3,000 words a day since July. This is going to be my best week since July. Uh, so yeah, I'm feeling very much on track. Mama's, Mama's got her bojo back. Uh, so, and actually yesterday was a very fun day because <laughs> this cat is driving me crazy. He is just all over the place. Uh, yesterday I had a, a great revelation. I wasn't sure what a particular secret was going to be. This is the distressing part of my right for discovery ways is that I don't know what secrets my characters are hiding until I write through it and discover it. And in this case, my characters, it was a mystery to them. And so we all discovered it together and it was, it's actually kind of super cool. I was like, wow, that's a neat thing. Uh, that's why I feel like I don't make these things up. It comes from somewhere else. So I should pass 50,000 words today. Um, the downer news, as you may have noticed, if you follow me otherwise, or if you pre-ordered Twisted Magic, is I did push back the release date. Uh, I would have had to upload by October 26th in 13 days, and there's just no way. I was going to get the rest of it written by then. Now, I am on track to have this written by the beginning of November. I should have it, you know, I know I said this before, famous last words, but I should have it written in plenty of time. I just, I went ahead and set the release for November 28th because, um, as I've talked about before, uh, at least for me, money-wise, when it releases in the month, it's all the same just sometime in November. And that gave me lots of breathing room, uh, which all my friends were advising me uh, that I needed to breathe. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I breathe, but some of them are projecting too. And it's loving advice. So yeah, I pushed it back. I'm sorry. Those of you who have commented on social media, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate your understanding. Uh, especially when you say really nice things like quality takes time. I hope it's quality. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's been a good week that way. Uh, I had some other things that I wanted to tell you that I actually wrote down. Oh, just a couple of thoughts. Uh, one way that it's been a good week for me is I've been getting a number of things off of my to-do list. Uh, you know how there's like those tasks on your list that keep sliding, sliding, sliding down. 
and they like build up this tremendous amount of inertia. It's like every time they slide down your list, they, your list, they like accrete a little bit more stuff like a snowball or a mud ball or something like that. And they get heavier and heavier. And, and a lot of times it's stupid stuff that doesn't take that long to do, but sometimes it's because the task is big. And so like one thing I had had on my list was dealing with some of my print books. I really fell behind on getting my print books uploaded to uh, Ingram. I hadn't done that for the last several. Uh, there were a bunch I hadn't put on Ingram. And also I've been hearing for a while now that the common wisdom is to have print books on Barnes and Noble to go directly through Barnes and Noble and use their print service that they're more likely to stock your books in stores. And I'm very fortunate that I have a, an established audience. So I know I have booksellers and librarians out there who stock my books. I could see them buying my books and it's great. Um, but I think, you know, whatever we can do, right. Diversify those income streams, maximize. So for a long time, I'd had the line item on my list upload books to Barnes and Noble. Well, reader, when one has almost 65 published titles, uh, <laughs> that's a lot of freaking books. And I'm not, I don't do print versions of all of them. And of those, I'm not doing all on Barnes and Noble, but there were like steps to this, right? You know, I needed to assign each a new ISBN because Barnes and Noble requires a new ISBN. That's partly why I had not done it before because they shouldn't need it. They should, it should be a unique ISBN for each format, not for each retailer. Uh, but I decided it was, it was worth it that I would just go ahead and do that. And yes, I do do my own ISBNs and let's not argue about it. I want to, it, it is an extra step, but it's worth it to me to have it the ISBN say that I am the publisher. Uh, so it, it was just like such a big task. And I had like catch up books on BNN and Ingram on my list. And of course, every single day I would look at that and think, not today, Satan. I know that's not how I'm supposed to use it, but it was just so big. And finally, uh, so earlier this week, I ended up pulling the falling under books out of Kindle Unlimited. Their, their time expired, uh, like on the sixth or something like that. So over the weekend, I got those uploaded wide and including the print versions. And I thought, okay, well, I'm doing this. I need to go ahead and put them on Ingram and Barnes and Noble. And so this is a little bit of into the weeds industry wise, but that probably is on brand for first cup of coffee. Uh, I have to keep moving to avoid the rising sun here. Uh, so uploading to Ingram, Ingram wanted me, has always been a pain in the ass. And I know that a lot of us have talked about, is it worth it to use draft to digital now that they are doing print distribution? Well, we'd kind of stopped on that because it turns out that draft to digital is actually using Ingram spark and just charging us. Uh, so, and I'm always a fan of uploading directly, but Ingram spark is annoying. Their sales reports are annoying. Getting it uploaded is annoying, even though they no longer charge a setup fee fee. Thank goodness. They used to charge 
$50 a book to upload. In fact, I was a member of Nink just for the free upload code. So this time over the weekend, when I went to log into Ingram, it wanted me to change my password. I was like, okay, fine. We're all well trained this way, right? So I changed my password and it said unsuccessful and it just kept telling me I was doing it wrong. And I got so irritated. So I went and looked at Draft2Digital's interface and it's so much easier. And so I'm just doing my Draft2Digital prints now. I'm doing Barnes & Noble, Amazon print, and Draft2Digital. Uh, yes, I'm losing a percentage to Draft2Digital, but I finally decided it's worth it to me not to deal with freaking Ingram's interface. And I don't know, maybe they'll give me some good distribution. I think Ingram's very passive. They just list it and that's all they care about. So they'll probably just be listed again, but maybe they'll be slightly more available. And also I don't count on making profit on my print copies, unlike traditional publishing where that's where they make their most profit. That's where self-publishers, any publishers make the least. Uh, mostly I have it out there for discoverability and collectors, right? So, um, so yeah. Oh, breaking down tasks. So it took me time. It actually took me a very long time to upload three books wide, right? To go all to all the retail platforms, which is why a lot of people like to use an aggregator, but I finally got it all done and it wasn't as Herculean to get stuff on Barnes and Noble, especially when I switched to doing draft to digital. And so now I went ahead and I broke up the tasks. I had to go through my spreadsheet and figure out which books I hadn't done print for on Ingram or Barnes and Noble. And it turns out I had done a few on Barnes and Noble without remembering it, probably to test it out. And I, and now I'm doing like one book a day and putting on Barnes and Noble and Ingram. And it takes me like half an hour to do, but I'm getting through it. It feels so good. I have a SIFWA task that has been sliding down my list. I swear for like at least a year, maybe longer. It's really bad. Uh, <laughs> and I finally started in on that yesterday. And one of them, uh, it's just way too old and I just bailed on it. It's like, we'll just have to put this out. It's, it's basically our binary report. Uh, and it's from pandemic. It's before I was pre president. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to let this go, but I am gathering data for the other ones, finally getting that done. So it's amazing how good it feels to get those tasks off of your list. The ones that have been accreting mud and gravel and all of that and therefore have all of this weight. Oh, and, and this other thing, this is kind of a minor thing, but I was just noticing this week when I prep my worksheet for the day, I have, um, it's a little bit hard to explain, but I have all these little internal milestones, you know, like when I reach so many words or when I reach this point in the document, that kind of thing that sort of keeps me motivated, you know, like ticking off my boxes and I have conditional formatting. So they light up green when I hit them, but every day I have to change the order because you know, what day of the week it is. I have it set by, you know, like if I met my goal for Thursday, have I met it for Friday? Am I halfway for the week? So it changes and there, 
and I have them in ascending order. And I like to arrange it myself, you know, to, and it's a fairly simple mental task, right? To arrange the uh, numbers in order, move them around because I feel like, you know, use it or lose it, right? It's really good for us to do just even simple math tasks like this. Not even math, just like numerical ordering. Well, <clears throat> the other day I noticed I made a mistake because I do have, I have like several checks. I have QA and what I swapped to. And, and it was so funny because I realized I made the mistake and this voice in my head said something like, oh, missed that one. And I realized that it's like, maybe it's left over from school, but you know, like we all have these judges that we carry around with us, right? That are scoring us on our performance. Did you do this correctly? Oh, made a mistake. That's a point off for you. <clears throat> and it's, it's interesting to look at that and recognize it and be, it's like, no, this is just a thing I'm doing to exercise my brain. There is no scoring major advisor from graduate school or seventh grade algebra teacher uh, who once gave me an F minus. She gave me an F minus. Can you actually have an F minus? And I was in an accelerated math class, so it wasn't because I, it was because she thought I was recalcitrant, which I was. F minus. So I think what it's good for us all to remember that we are not being scored, that we're grownups now and we're no longer in school. And if you want to try something and if you make a mistake, tell you what, I'm giving you extra credit, not only hundred percent, A plus plus extra credit, go out and try something and just have fun with it. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and I will talk to you on Monday. You all take care. Bye-bye.